welcome once again to our Westworld podcast, Bullets, Brothels, and Bots. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the state of Michigan. This is Eric. Eric, your voice is back. Mostly, yep. Excellent. Very good. And how was your Thanksgiving? Uh, uneventful. Well, that's probably a good thing, I guess. Yes. Yes. And your, t- and your team won, so. Yes. Uh, did Detroit win too? I don't, I didn't check that one they out. They did. Oh, right, there you go. So both, both your teams won. Uh-huh. Excellent. And in the state of New York? This is Mike. Mike, how's it going? I'm fine, Phil. How are you? Good, good. And how was your two Thanksgivings? Because I know you you went to your in-laws and in your house, your parents' house or something like that, too. Yeah, it was fine. Oh, very it was good. Thanksgiving. Which is a good thing, right? It's not a bad thing. I'm not a big <laughs> Thanksgiving person. Oh, really? I love Thanksgiving. It's my favorite holiday of all. I love c- cooking the feast. And yeah, but you're, you're a foodie nerd and you like football. I don't really care for either of those. So. <laughs> I understand. you, you got to like the two days off from work, though, right? Oh, of course. Uh, it yeah, just would be easier if I could do whatever I wanted. That's a fair point. Good point. Yeah. yeah. Very well. And uh, tonight, uh, as uh, we are discussing, is uh, uh, the 28th of November uh, that we're recording this. So the day after uh, it's the episode uh, that we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, but before we get into all that, uh, first off, Eric, you do total of four podcasts? <laughs> I do. Uh I do this one, and this is actually a spinoff of the Dark Discussions podcast, uh, which I do with you and Mike and a couple other people, uh, where we discussed horror fiction, film, and all this fantastic. And there's another spinoff of that show called You Know Nothing Jon Snow. That's a Game of Thrones podcast that we do when Game of Thrones is on the air, which is not right now. And then there's another podcast that I record and produce myself, a general interest podcast called The Scancy Podcast. That's spelled A-S-K-A-N-C-I-T-Y. You can find it on Stitcher or on the iTunes store. Excellent. Very good. And folks who do want to uh, check out You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, uh, it is readily available still on iTunes and Stitcher as well. Even if we're not recording it now, we, we have uh, uh, the prior episodes from the prior seasons. And um, everything uh, that Eric mentioned uh, can be found on Dark Discussions, including Escancity. Uh, podcast, which is a link uh, directly to uh, that podcast as well on the front page of darkdiscussions.com. And Mike, you two, a total of three podcasts, and a, you write a genre blog? Uh, the genre blog is Unnatural Selections, www.unnaturalselections.com. The uh, podcasts are basically this one, and Dark Discussions, and You Know Nothing, Jon Snow. But Eric already covered that again. Yep, that's true. And uh, to fill out, uh, yeah, we're darkdiscussions.com, uh, which is, uh, the website for this podcast as well as Dark Discussions as well as, you know, nothing, Jon Snow. Uh, all the episodes for all three podcasts can be found there as well as, uh, you can search on Stitcher or iTunes for all three of the podcasts and Dark Discussions itself actually has all three podcasts on its feed, but you also can go to, you know, nothing, Jon Snow or, Bullets, brothels, and bots, and uh, just uh, join those feeds if you prefer. And Mike, uh, sometimes uh, people can go on iTunes and whatnot and do reviews and such. Yes, yeah, so if somebody was like willing to go onto iTunes and leave us a review, that helps raise the profile of the podcast, helps other people find us, and eventually leads to our world domination. 
Exactly. Just like the hosts, I think, plan to do. So uh, any help would be uh, greatly appreciated. And uh, we thank you if you do so. Uh, and it also allows us to know that you are out there and listening. Another way to let us know if you are out there and listening is to actually uh, email us uh, to comment on Westworld or our podcast, uh, Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, of Westworld podcast. You can email us at darkdiscussions at AOL.com, and we will uh, read your email on the air if you want us uh, to do so. And... Uh, uh, some, so far, we've had a few emails, which gave us some good feedback and uh, discussions on the podcast. But also, you can go to Dark Discussions Podcast Facebook group, where there's usually a hearty discussion on the show, uh, Westworld. Um, usually started by a fellow podcaster. Mike, who is that fellow podcaster? That would be Elizabeth Catherine Gray of the Archivist Bet on Sexy Witches podcast. That's right, exactly. So uh, you can uh, meet other podcasters as well as fellow Westworld fans as well as fellow listeners to this podcast at Dark Discussions Podcast on Facebook. Um, so um, let's see. Any Westworld news or information anybody wanted to discuss before we uh, uh, talk about last night's episode? Nope. All right. And Mike, what I'm aware of just if you haven't seen the episode, beware of spoilers. And Mike, uh, what... Do they call the episode before the season finale penultimate? The penultimate. Penultimate, that's right. That's uh, what they say here. And I read somewhere um, that being an HBO television show, um, Westworld appears to be trying to do similar things as, I guess, uh, Game of Thrones, where the penultimate episode, uh, if not as action-y as Game of Thrones, uh, gives away a lot of the story in a quick fashion, and uh, we'll discuss all that. Uh, the name of the episode is called A Well-Tempered Clavier. Clavier, I did look that word up on uh, Merriam-Webster, and that clavier generally is a keyboard or some sort of musical instrument, uh, and well-tempered, um, I guess, could have two meanings, maybe that it is in tune, or it also could mean, in this case, not just in tune, but uh, well-tempered, as in uh, not vicious. Um, the episode... There's also, uh, Phil, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there was a series of pieces that Bach wrote called The Well-Tempered Clavier. Ooh, good catch. I did not know that. I'm not even familiar with that uh, piece by Bach. I didn't have that readily available in my brain, but it was kicking around there somewhere for me to look it up. Um, and basically what it is, he wrote a series of pieces for the keyboard, uh, which at the time was either a clavier or a harpsichord. Uh, and he wrote one in each key in existence. So he started with C major, went to C minor, then went to C sharp major, then he went to C sharp minor, and so on and so forth. Excellent. And if people don't know, uh, Eric uh, is a big uh, hobbyist in music, uh, not only listening, but also plays numerous instruments. And so that's pretty cool that you knew that, Eric. Uh We'll uh, see what that means in this episode. Maybe you've already thought of it, Eric. Uh, <laughs> no, if you got anything, you're going to have to let me know. I came up with nothing. All right, fair enough. Uh, anyway, uh, it was written by Dan Dietz and Catherine Ligenfelter. Uh, they say that it's the only episode that uh, Jonathan Bill, Nolan... Yes. Bill, that sounds like a name that needs to be pronounced angrily. Ligenfelter! Oh, like the Germans. Ligenfelter! Yeah. There you go. Yes. Katrin Ligenfelter. 
There you go. Oh, and and, and Dan Dietz, because that's German as well. So I guess, I guess that's a double <laughs> German for him. Um, yes, and uh, uh, the the two of them uh, actually are uh, actually my prior thought was: is this the first episode that neither Jonathan Nolan or his wife Lisa Joy Nolan co- wrote or co-wrote? So it's the only episode in the ten episode season uh, that other folks wrote. However, Dan Dietz and Catherine Liegenfelter have both worked with the prior, uh, or you know, the showrunner and his wife. Uh, Dietz worked with Nolan on his television show Person of Interest, and Liegenfelter with uh, Lisa Joy Nolan on Pushing Daisies. Uh, Michelle McLa- McLaren uh, is the director. Uh, Michelle McLaren, I'm sure many folks may know from numerous. Uh, television shows, but specifically her probably most famous for Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones. Uh, she was got an Emmy, I think, for Breaking Bad as the, as the producer of the show for a couple of years. Uh, but also, um, she's done some fantastic work on Game of Thrones. She does have a major flaw, though. She is Canadian, but we, you know, yeah. we'll her. Um, and uh, that's the background of the episode uh, for prior episodes. Uh, last week's episode, uh, they did finally have the, the, um, the what, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the, the amount of people who watched it. And uh, that was uh, a curious thing because, uh, as we know, it had a season low of around 1.45. And then it started slowly going up. And uh, this week, it did actually go up a little bit from last week, which was 1.75 million uh, North American view, or actually, I'm going to phrase that, just U.S. viewers that watched it either when it was on the air or started it while uh, on HBO Go or now while it was on the air during that hour of last night. Uh, this week, this last week was 1.78, so it did tr- uh, jump up by a couple of ten, tens of thousands, but not by much. Uh, and last night's to be determined. We'll know that information next week. Um, so, uh, I guess we'll go around and discuss our thoughts on this episode, the penultimate episode, and, uh, Eric, why don't you, uh, go ahead and start, give your opinions. Uh, the episode? Yeah. Um, I say? liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, there were several key reveals. Um, I, that's all I'm going to say right now. I I, I liked it because there's a whole bunch of spoiler stuff that we're going to get into. So, right. And, and to take a, a note from Mike with his joke from a couple of weeks ago, uh, I'm sure it'll be in your top ten for the season. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, very well. Uh, Mike, what about yourself? A uh, very solid episode. Um, big reveals. I'm would I would expect this to have decent ratings. I know it's getting a lot of talk uh, on the internet. So I think everything's coming together as anticipated. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. So those folks who are in college and don't have jobs who can go on Reddit and talk about this for 24 hours straight with Red Bull and beer, they most certainly pretty much, um, been spot on it's appearing to be so that's a good point mike you know you know um, what we call those people phil what's that lucky bastards yes because they're living off of uh, trust funds and uh <laughs> and, and, and getting laid by college students and all these other things so they're having a, a good time you're absolutely right 
Damn it. Um, for me, yeah, I thought it was a solid episode as well. Um, I, I, I think I have one minor issue, which is, which is they're playing a fear where they're showing both sides of arguments, but based off of how the series has set itself rolling, most people, I think, are siding are going to probably side with the robots, and and I have some some stuff we can discuss when we get into it. But uh, again, ge- again. yeah, <laughs> again. Uh, but generally, yes, it's it's a very solid episode. Uh, I I liked it. Um. So, any further things anybody wanted to bring up about Westworld itself or this episode before we throw up the spoiler and discuss all the wonderful things that the Reddit folks that drink Red Bull and beer and get laid and live off trust funds have already discovered? All right, I guess I think not. We're ready. So, all right, so we'll throw up the spoiler and uh, we can discuss. Um, so, uh, where would you want to begin? Do you want to just start with with what? What uh, the I guess Meeves or Maeve's storyline? Well, I I want to because I think this sums it up really well. Um, I've mentioned the website Den of Geek in the past. I think I've mentioned it on here. If I haven't, uh, yeah, they get they get good uh, uh, movie reviews of of exploitation, horror, and sci-fi, and all that other good stuff. Right. So they wrote, and and this is really I think a a good way to sum it up uh, for their introductory paragraph to the Westworld episode, uh, which it's amazing they got it up so quickly, given how long it is. It says, it's, uh, it is the mark of a well-made series that upon the moment of a twist or major story point is correctly predicted, one feels a sense of satisfaction as opposed to disappointment. And better still, it's a testament to the quality of a truly fantastic story if, instead of just satisfaction, a major revelation, whether surprising or not, is greeted with exhilaration and cathartic release that comes from weeks and weeks of narrative crescendo. Uh, so basically saying that I think this is a good sign of, of all the pieces locking into place, as many people predicted. And I'm not going to lie and say that I figured all this shit out because I'm not one of those people sitting on Reddit with Red Bull and other red things to spend hours and hours and hours pouring over the series um, to figure all this stuff out. And I kind of said early on in the season uh, of the podcast that I wasn't doing a whole lot of predicting. Um, I was just going to let it all play out. But yeah, it seems like all these things that people predicted, whether I wanted it to or not, did turn out to be right. And all the clues were pointing in a certain direction. And even though I knew the twists before they came, that it still kind of clicked. It still hit home, and it still was effective for me. Yeah, that's that's a fair point, Mike. Because uh, when Eric Webster posted a uh, article a few weeks ago, uh, written by uh, another podcaster and contributor of, of uh, Vanity Fair, a woman named Joanna Robinson, uh, she I read that article and. And I was basically screaming, uh, curse you, Eric Webster. <laughs> um, and yet, two weeks later, um, it didn't ruin ruin it after all for me, even though uh, I thought it had and the show was going to be um, upsetting because I knew things that I shouldn't. But I told you you were being overly dramatic. You were. And you were absolutely right because Den of Geek and what Mike just said uh, in less um, big words – basically uh sums it up which is it did not 
ruin, um, I guess the, the secrets that, you know, that I read about two weeks ago, it, it didn't ruin it. So, um, it, it did, it, it is good storytelling because of that, because otherwise, um, if we did the opposite of what Denna Geek said, we would be pissed and upset and say, "Ah, oh, come on and all that. But I don't think any, at least me and you, Mike felt that way. So, uh, what about you, well, Eric? Oh, go on, Mike. No, go ahead. Dad. Yeah, I was, I, I didn't think it was going to be a negative. Um, but I was, I was really pleased with the way it all rolled out. It, uh, it all unfolded quite nicely. And there's still a number of things that we still aren't 100% sure on, but uh, we'll talk about them. But, uh, Mike, you were going to say something. Uh, yes, there was. Oh, I said, uh, you know, a good example for me of going the wrong way was uh, the TV show Dexter, where the writers, at least at one point, everyone, for those who don't know, for some reason, Dexter was a story about uh, a serial killer who killed other killers and, uh, and, and and who happened to actually be working for the police department. And who worked for the police department. And the central tension is what happens when he gets caught. You know, And he worked with his sister at some points, lived with his sister. And the question is what happens when his sister, who is so black and white, you know, toe the line is going to happen. And when she catches him. And they basically refused to do that storyline because they said, well, everybody is expecting it. And they were trying – and they basically wrote themselves into some very unnatural situations and illogical situations to avoid doing what the fans had figured out was going to happen. And I think the series suffered sort of as a result of that is if you've set it up well, then the clues are in place, then expect some fans to figure it out. Don't change your plan for a last-minute surprise because it's, it's not, it's not going to have the same payoff. It just won't. And it'll feel fake and artificial. Dexter has been debated numerous ways. I mean, I always had hoped that they would have Dexter never be found out. And then he would just, you know, the show would just go into the sunset where he's still doing what he's doing. He somehow stops because he followed his father's rules or he just dies in some, you know, police uh, shootout or something. And, and that's that. But of course, um, they didn't go that way. And as a result, I could argue that was the main reason they suffered more than the point you made, Mike. But either way, um, we got to state that this still is for season one, though, right? I mean, of Westworld. They could kind of lose track on season four or five or something similar to Lost Well, they can. Or Dexter. Yeah, go on. Well, they, they, there's no question they can lose it later, but... For now, it's you know it's it's worked, and I hope they continue. I don't, don't I hope they don't think uh, going into next season because they didn't know they were having a next season until recently that they don't say, well, the fans figured that one out too easily. We really got to change things up a little bit. Whatever their plans are, and they supposedly have the first uh, several seasons mapped out, just stick with it and let it go. And if the fans figure it out, they figure it out. If not, so much the better. Also, I do hope, too, Mike, that they don't fall into the Walking Dead mistake, which is uh, favorite characters such as maybe Meave or Ford or or others on this show uh, and make them um, – uh, what, what's the thing? The iron the, plot? The plot armor? Yeah, the plot armor. I hope they don't fall into that trap either. So, uh, Well, I got, I got to say, uh, with the exception of maybe Ford – um, anybody else could still be a robot at this point. 
um, which is pretty much a really convenient plot over built into anybody they want. Uh, just, hey, they're a robot. You can reprogram them. Well, and another thing I'm hoping that doesn't happen, and what I was worrying about in Game of Thrones, uh, which is actually somewhat of an issue in the book, and um, I won't go into too much spoilers, but there's a character, Lady Stoneheart, and um, and, and, and just in general, um, characters in fa- any fantasy setup, they can come back to life. And that kind of, I th- always could consider that a cheat. And so here in Westworld, where if an actor's character, assuming they're human, gets killed, or even if they get killed as a robot, they could just re-bring them back each, each season. And I, I, don't, it's not necessarily a cheat because they're robots or replacements of humans as robots, but it still would make me roll my eyes, I think, and I hope they don't go that route. Um, I can guarantee it'll happen at least once. You're, you're probably right, and and I'm dreading that moment when it does happen. But Just accept uh, it. Let it wash over you. You'll be fine. You're, you're probably right. You're probably right. Yeah, absolutely. Don't fight it, Phil. Okay, <laughs> that just gave me a thought, but <laughs> well, I, 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 do we need to we, get into talk, plot. What do we need to get into plot? Well, not really. Well, we remember this is sort of leftovers from two weeks ago. Was the the bot in the basement? Mm-hmm. And we thought that maybe Ford was building Second Teresa. Yes. Oh, right. Right. So we still don't know. What if he was building Second Elsie? Because that body they tried to hide. Mm. Yeah, yeah. We we can assume she's dead. So I mean, it's pretty obvious that she's well, dead. Well, maybe, but maybe not, because we God haven't seen the body it. yet. And... Right. They 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 could do the twist where it's just a fake dream put in uh, in Bernard, or whatever. But I'm hoping they don't go that way. I'm hoping based or off maybe, of what they. Sh- but they I, could I still replace have her. Hope in my heart, maybe he just hit her somewhere. Maybe she's locked up somewhere, and uh, what's his name Hemsworth is going to wake up next to her. But we'll get into that later. But Mike, that is a fair point because we thought it would be Teresa, and now that they basically showed that Teresa's dead, so she's actually written out of the series. Uh, she didn't last long at all when you think about it. Um, that doesn't mean they won't do it with another character, and and like you said, Elsie would be a, a pretty decent example of doing it. I, it would say that is kind of hard just for the fact that I don't think Elsie's high enough um, in the company to be any effectiveness or need to replace her except to make sure that people didn't notice that she disappeared. Well, uh, she's a tech, right? So because she's a tech, maybe that would be significant for Ford wanting to make sure that she had, I don't know, that he had – well, one that her disappearance was going to be harder to explain, but also to make sure that he had somebody uh, else that he can control on his team. Right. No, that's a fair point. As we, I was thinking, trying to figure out why he eliminated Elsie in the first place, but just Elsie, just like Teresa, Elsie was about to find out what Teresa was doing, and. Teresa was what Teresa was doing was basically trying to sabotage Ford, and so by eliminating both, he eliminates the fact that he even knows that there was a conspiracy against him. And obviously, I guess he didn't want people to know that he knew. 
um, because otherwise there was really no reason for him to take out Elsie unless it was to cover up the fact that he knew what was going on. Um, but either way, um, it wasn't really referenced much in this episode. It was just something I was thinking about. Um, so what, where did we want to start or was there other things that were related to this episode that was more high level that like we were, what we were just discussing? Uh, oof. I think we should get into it because otherwise we're not going to make sense. Yeah. So, so let's get into it. Where do we want to start with the things? What he was asking Maeve. Okay. Let's okay. do it. Yep. So Maeve wakes up. She got snatched. Um, and they bring her to Bernard. Cause they're like, Whoa, this robot's really fucked up. We figured you want to take a look at it personally. He's like, yeah, okay. I'll handle it. Uh, and he starts to do his little, uh, diagnosis thing with Maeve. Only, uh, at one point, he is using his little tablet, and he flips the page that has all her modified stats showing on it. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and he goes to uh, alert Ford immediately, and she actually uh, reaches out and stops him physically. Um, and so the, the jig is up, and uh, he now knows that she's awakening control of herself. Um, so this conversation goes a little bit further and then, uh, Maeve tells Bernard that he's a host. Uh, and apparently he did not know that even though he did know that before. Uh, apparently that's been erased again. So Bernard comes to the realization that he is a host because Maeve is giving him commands that he cannot refuse. Uh, and basically... Uh, she's like, you're going to leave me alone, and that's that. She's like, by the way, if you go looking for the truth, make sure you get the whole truth. Uh, but she, she, she has a great analogy when she says that. She goes, because, uh, she goes, uh, no, a half truth is, 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 a, is no more satisfying than. I believe the quote is, uh, 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 the truth, uh, uh, what is, uh, the truth it's is like, like a good a fuck. Great half fuck. is worse yeah. than, 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 None at, uh, none at all. Yeah, right, right. That's that's th- that whole storyline off uh, the Bernard storyline off, and we'll, we'll discuss that um, later. But um, the thing that was scary about this scene, depending on your definition of scary, is that she can even override Ford, right? Uh, in a sense, so in other in other words, Ford controls all the robots, and yet. She can actually now over overrun even Ford's command over Bernard, which was uh, shows that um, there could be something in the future between Ford and Meeve, maybe. Um, it may lead to some of the things we've discussed earlier, where Ford goes into the park to be safe from you know with the robots protecting him. Meeve right. could actually, or some other robot, or somebody could come in and change that because they can even overpower what he has to do or what he has to say to control the robots. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Maeve is becoming super powerful. I like it. Um, so she then goes back into the park uh, to meet Mr. Uh, Hector. Ban- bandit dude. Hector. I always forget his name. Hector, the safe robber. Uh, and 
basically seduces him and uh, recruits him to be her right-hand man. And the only reason she's able to do that is because she knows his storyline in advance and predicts everything that's going to happen, which is all his bandits are going to fight each other over some stupid squabble. And he and the Norwegian chick are supposed to kill each other. Um, and sure enough, all that begins to happen and, and play. Mm-hmm. And, in, and Hector's like confused, like, how the hell did you predict all this? And then Meve finally takes out uh, the Norwegian chick. And this is when Hector is on board because um, he believes her. And it's interesting, too, is that she says, I could have just flicked your switch, basically, and controlled you and had you join me, but I wanted you to join me on your own free will. Um, and by doing that was by, you know, predicting the future for or, or the storyline. And he's on board on his own free will. He wasn't, you know, controlled like Bernard was in the prior scene. So uh, I believe the last we see of Maven Hefter, they're uh, having sex in the middle of a fire. And there's a reason for that because he, she says, <laughs> she says, um, I want you to follow me to hell. And, you know, that obviously symbol of hell is, is fire. And um, so I'm assuming they're both going to die and they're both going to head, head back to, uh, um, the underground where, where they repair the robots and I assume by burning the two of them together that would mean that they would be both sent to the same repair shop and that's the reason why I think she chose the fire death rather than the bullet death because everybody gets tossed in the, with the bullet deaths and I mean they may not be together while that's fire death that's an interesting death, theory yeah so that's why I think they did the fire um I, th- I, I thought it was just because she can only get her rocks off now when she's undergoing some sort of torturous death scene. I don't know, Mark. Stretching it there, but uh, yeah, no, I know that's a good thought. I hadn't considered that. What I had considered is that you know it would seem to me that a bullet wound and a knife wound and a bashing in you know would be a lot easier to fix than immolation. You know, so yeah, they're, they're going to need a lot of work. Right, right. And, and I assume it would be specialists, too. So that's why they would, I'm guessing that by emulation, they would be, that would make them go to the same office to be repaired, I guess. And so she'll be with the guy that she needs to help her do whatever she's planning to do in season, is episode 10 next week. Um, I, I got to give them credit, though, because even though she knows she's coming back to life and she knows that there is no death for her. She does feel pain and God damn it to be killed continuously and burned and all these other things. I mean that I, I guess pain wouldn't be as horrific. She did reduce her pain uh, setting to the very low. Oh, you're right. Okay. Okay. That explains it better because it's hard to believe that she would be willing to have that much pain, even if she knows she's coming back. Uh, but that's a good point, Eric. Okay. That, that answers my question. Thank you for bringing it, reminding me. Oh. All right, so uh, what, what, what do you think about this? Uh, what do you think she's going to do, and why does she need Hector specifically? Because I don't know. It, yeah, because, I mean, in theory, what what makes Hector any better than any other robot? And, oh, unless unless Hector has some special program in him that allows him to break... Breakthrough doors or something? I, I, I don't know. I, because I don't, I don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, know. I think it, he's a killer. That helps. Um, if I was in May's position and I'm looking for an army to do what armies tend to do, I'm thinking I would much rather have Hector's help than, say, Dolores's. Yeah, but the thing that I, I, I had issue with is that since they're all robots, couldn't she just program anybody to be a killer? You see what I'm saying? This is easier. Yeah. Or maybe she has the hots for him. Yeah, maybe. She she did get screwed by him a couple of times in the prior episode, so little column A, little column B. Yeah, that's a good point, Mike. Um so any further things about Meeve's story anybody wanted to bring up that may lead to the whole bigger picture or that was interesting that we didn't discuss specifically. I just found it interesting that we got zero Felix or Sylvester this episode. Yeah, that's right. We didn't get either of them, did we? Hmm. So you got to wonder what they're up to, just like over there in a the corner shitting their pants or what? Yeah, that's a good yeah, point. Yeah, or maybe they took that vacation away from Delos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. If, if I was, uh, at this point, if I was Sylvester, I would probably just quit my job and, and move to California or New York or somewhere that's far away. Um, because at this point... I, I I would consider my my life in danger. Yeah, Maeve doesn't like him very much. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it, it would be a little odd if if he's if he's still around, in my opinion. Um, but so be it. Uh, all right, all right. So uh, let's see. What, what do we want to go next? We want to talk about um, uh, uh, let's see, uh, Man in Black, maybe. Because he was, he was okay. pretty short, right? He was pretty short. Um, yeah, basically, I mean, there's not a whole lot of his story in this. Um, I forget how the whole thing wraps up before he ends up in the news. Um, basically, if I'm not mistaken, the the uh, blonde chick that introduced William to Westworld. At the you know in, in episode two, she and and uh, she she left him left basically leaves him with a, a noose around his neck I guess. Um, okay, so it was that simple. Yeah, they killed they killed Teddy. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole thing about Again. Teddy that we got to talk about too because his storyline it was pretty important. But we'll, we'll start with with out of, we're doing it out of order anyway. So yeah, so go on, Mike. So they kill Teddy again. Um, trying to. Oh my God! You killed Teddy. Yes. And oh, the, the, she does have a line where he says he's trying to find the maze, and she says something like, "The maze is not for you." Right. Uh, which lends uh, to me the idea that the leads to the idea that the maze is actually not for him, but it's for Dolores and Maeve and. The hosts. Right. It's not for the guests. Right. Yeah, right. That line plus the con- in conjunction with the line that comes later. Right. So they uh, – uh, right. So she basically knocks him out, ties him up to the horse to be hung. Uh, when he wakes up, the horse is blindfolded. I guess it's a host horse, and therefore the host horse can't – hurt somebody okay right yeah so by blindfolding the horse it wouldn't know that it's hurting somebody yeah makes sense 
And the idea is that if the horse gets startled or runs away, the rope will pull and he'll get hung or hanged. Hanged, hung? Hanged. 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 Um, so anyway, he does manage to escape at the last second by grabbing uh, his Bowie knife from out of Teddy's chest and cutting the, the, the rope just as he's about to die. Um, and I think the Bowie knife is also a clue because I, if I'm correct, we see that Bowie knife later in the episode or earlier in the episode. Yeah, later in the episode. Oh, yeah. Right. Or it could just be that's the only model Bowie knife they sell in the gift shop. Which is possible, too. So, um, and it's at this point that Charlotte enters the picture. Right, which was disconcerting. Well, it's, it's and yeah, it's really weird just how much that takes you out of the scene, right? It's, which is I th- the point, right? That she's breaking the illusion because she steps out in modern dress and yeah, is dealing oh, with him. And, and she even says it, too. She goes, uh, uh, it was a pain in the ass to walk here in stilettos. Right, yeah, right. You know, because you know it's it's the desert or whatever. Um, so you're right. It's it's intentional to take us back into the real world and let us know that take us out of the immersion of thinking Westworld is actually a really a Westworld. It's really just a, a game. But yeah, uh, she has an interesting uh, story to say to him. Right, she the only reason she's there is basically to, to ask permission if they could fire Ford. Because her sabotage of Ford backfired, and so she wants to fire him, and it pr- opens up one of the Reddit stories, which is maybe um, the man in black is one of the owners of the company, Delos or or whatnot, and he goes, yeah, I don't care about Ford. You can do whatever you want with him. I don't give a rat's ass about him. I, I, I'm more interested in doing storylines that have nothing to do with Ford that I'm trying to figure out here. And um, stop bothering me because you're, you're, you know, you're wasting my time. And, but that pretty much answers what she was hoping for, which is, oh, good, I can fire Ford now. Right now, Elizabeth Catherine Gray had uh, mentioned the idea that maybe Charlotte is the Man in Black's daughter, which yeah. she had mentioned, and their casual familiarity because she never refers to him by name. You know, so maybe that's a reveal, right? Because if she called him Daddy, uh, but I don't think that's the case. I think her name is a clue, as is her ethnicity, because we do see a picture uh, at some point of, well, what is yeah. probably his wife, and I'm pretty sure his wife looks white to me. Who, Not that they couldn't adopt. Who, who's whose wife? The man in blacks. Why we saw a picture of his wife? Maybe. I don't remember seeing a picture of his wife. Maybe. We'll get to it in another storyline. Okay. Oh, yes. I know what you're talking about now, Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, so that may be a clue as to... Um... Right. The only, only thing would be is if she was adopted or not. But another reason she didn't refer to him by name is because that would give the next reveal, which is probably coming up later in the episode, or maybe even next episode, depending on how you look at it, right? So she wasn't going right. to say, say, uh, William, um, we want to fire Ford, so she doesn't meant to say Daddy or William, which leaves it open to both interpretations. Um, 
Or Ileana, she could be none of the of, of the above too. I mean, I mean, the obvious is she could just they could just be both board members. That's right, exactly. So I mean, oh, there's one thing, Mike, which is she could be the daughter of another character that isn't with us any longer, or she could be the daughter of Ford, or. She could be just a board member, and those are all just a bunch of college kids drinking Red Bull that that are just reading too much into it as well. Which do you think specifically, Mike? You're thinking it's the first, which is she's probably the daughter of someone that is no longer with us. Correct. Okay. And what was the – was it Charlie? Was that right? Was that right when I mentioned that on Facebook? Well, right. I think a clue is the fact that um, at some point in, I think, this episode, uh, Ford tells Bernard that his dead son, Charlie, was something of, I don't remember if he calls it an homage or a tribute. And yeah. Charlie, of course, being you know the masculine form, you know, and Charlotte is the feminine form. So I think that Charlie was somewhat modeled on her. Okay. Now, oh, okay. Now, there's one curiosity is that even though this scene they don't refer to anybody's name uh, for the man in black, it doesn't. This, this I don't think this episode at all even gives the illusion that Charlotte may be the daughter of, I guess Arnold. Right. I mean, I don't think. It was ever mentioned at all. This is just assumptions by other people that will probably be right. Um, something released next episode, maybe if if they're correct, right? Okay. Or I mean, if it's it's insignificant enough, it may not even be a factor until next season. Well, that's true too. Uh, one oddity about the whole thing is is that. It, it would be curious that she would not have a picture of her father and not know that maybe Bernard is a replica of her father. Yeah. Be, that would, that be, would little, be very strange. Yeah. So even if she's, she was like two years old or one year old or even a, a baby or her mother was pregnant and her father Arnold passes away, you would think she would have pictures. But again, we, we don't know. I mean, it's just. It's, yeah, that's a good point. So that's the reason why I, I thought that theory wasn't necessarily true. And I would go with Catherine Elizabeth, Elizabeth Catherine Gray more. But it could be another thing, too. It could be an adopted child as well. Or it could be <laughs> both Arnold and his wife died at the same time. Or she and, could be a robot, or she could be an alien. Let's move on. And and her her death, I mean, her parents' death could have happened at the same time, and something happened where she was a dog. I don't know. Who cares? Yeah, it's, it's all, we'll know next week, basically, possibly. Right. Um, but it was just something that was discussed, and that was curious, and, and Mike threw out some interesting points on Facebook, the Dark Discussion Podcast Facebook group, about uh, ethnicity and the Charlie Charlotte thing. Now, Mark, uh, Mark, where the hell did I get that from? Uh, Mike, um, the Charlie Charlotte analogy or or uh, hint was that something you figured out yourself, or did you read that somewhere? 
No, that one is one I was thinking for myself, but it's partially because um, Elizabeth had already planted the seed that she's related to somebody. Okay. Gotcha. Um, all right. So that that was pretty much this scene, uh, but it does give us a lot of information, which is the man in black, the reason he does have uh, – um, what's the term? A la carte? Not a la carte. Uh, carte blanche. Carte blanche. Thank you. Uh, he has carte blanche in the park is because he is a high member, uh, most likely – of the company, if not an owner, or as you said, Eric, he could just be a board member, but either way, he's someone of significance that is linked to the company. Well, and she, she flat out states in this episode that, uh, you're the one that kept Ford afloat when, after all that, uh, happened all those years ago. Right, right. So my guess is so that he's he, definitely got a heavy investment in a company in one form or another. Right, right. And he has the ability to make decisions, that are basically, yeah, you can fire someone if you want to. Um, and, and it's interesting how casual and, he, and unimportant it is to him, too, because Ford is like, I guess, this legend in the company. And when someone comes to him and says, yeah, I want to get rid of him, uh, and he just goes, I don't care. Yeah, do whatever you want. I don't, I don't care. And so I thought that was a, a very odd response, especially when we had that big scene when the man in black and Ford were together with Teddy a couple of episodes earlier. And and stuff. So I, I don't I don't know what what to make out of that. What, what do you guys? Well, if the man in black is William, yeah. Uh, we have an idea that uh, what do you call that? Uh, Ford is doing things sort of counter to the plans that that Arnold had. And I have a feeling that whatever William is doing now, uh, or in the storyline that we're watching, that he doesn't quite yet give up on his affection for Dolores. And I have a feeling it's just that Ford fucks up his dream, right? Because when everything goes wrong and he changes the park in a way that he maybe doesn't like. So I can understand him being a little bit spiteful for... But why doesn't he just fire him? If he can do it now, well, because you need the votes. He can't just. He, he, they needed his vote to fire him. He couldn't just fire him. Okay, so without that makes, cause. So that makes it that. more apt to be what Eric said, which is a board of director than necessarily, or, or, or a pot or a percentage owner, where depending on how many votes. Right. Yeah. But and and this, by the way, does lend credit to the Man in Black as William Theory, because William and Logan, remember, were talking at. Uh, about the uh, how the company was in jeopardy and they were looking at taking it over, and so since they're both so that so you could assume then um, that well not assume but you could deduce that maybe then that Williams company and Logan's company took the 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 park over took Delos over through some sort of a hostile takeover and that's how we ended up on the board of directors. Yeah. And I think you absolutely get confirmation, but we haven't gotten there yet, about two separate timelines. In theory, they still could backtrack and we could be tricked. But based off of the amount of stuff they gave this week, we can pretty much guess almost everything. The only one that 
was discussed today on Facebook that I saw that could be questionable is who Charlotte really is, meaning is she related to anybody? Because yeah. that that was more of a guess. But everything else is pretty much, like you said, Mike, um, if not written in stone, it, it's definitely someone's chipping away and, and, and putting, putting, of it, putting some of it up there. So um, that's a fair point. Um, all right, so so that was a big giveaway, uh, which is basically two things we learned in this scene, which is the man in black is some sort of major owner of the company or board of director, and two other things, actually. One is that's been going around is Charlotte may be related to somebody on the show, and the second one is... Uh, which you brought up, Mike, which is the Bowie knife, which was a, a curiosity that could be linked to um, different timelines or sh- or another clue for the different timelines. Uh, did you learn that one out yourself or, or are you just guessing? Because, I mean, I can see how you could figure it out yourself, though, Mike, without really having to sit there like one of the Reddit people because um, they did focus on it very much, like a little too much. Man, you know, Phil's got a beef with Reddit. Yeah, I know. It's uh, no, I'm, I think I'd seen something about the knife previously. So I, because it got so f- heavily featured in the foreground of this episode. Yeah, yeah, I, that's I, what I was I'm able saying, to yeah. pay a bit more attention to it. Okay, very well. Um, all right, so yeah, let's go with Teddy. Let's talk about Teddy's story since it's, I guess, it's related. I, unless you guys want to go to another story, I'm, I'm good with anything. What do you guys want to? Do? Yeah, well, I don't even remember Teddy's storyline, so why don't you talk about it? Yeah, you All go right. with that one, Phil, because I was right. a little well, confused on that. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I, I One thing I'm still confused, too, All right, which is basically um, the woman, the blonde chick, basically says um, that but my, what I understanding, and again, I'm like you two guys are a little confused still, too, or, or didn't get it as much, but basically Teddy used to be part of a union group union soldiers and something happened where one of the union soldiers did something and that may be Wyatt, I guess. And so Teddy had this big shootout where he had to kill all the union soldiers before they did something bad. And then the blonde chick tells him you're remembering it Larong and stating that he was the person that was doing all the violence, and he was the one that was the quote-unquote... Oh, right, yeah. And and so he was shooting everybody up in the town, including a woman and elderly. And maybe my my guess was is that they're implying that he's really Wyatt, or or his history was, was as the villain at one time, and then now he's reprogrammed and another question is is that the people that captured him the blonde chick and her crew whether they're quote-unquote Wyatt people or something else are they beginning to remember the past too because they know that Teddy has come back numerous times and will probably come back again because she says that your time will be to join with Wyatt or be Wyatt but it's not now, and she kills him with the Bowie knife. 
Now, well, I think she said something like he's not ready yet, that maybe in his next life or something akin to that or when he comes back. Here's my thought on this as you're talking about it. Um, we see in this episode multiple, multiple flashbacks. And we do seem to have three distinct time frames. Right? Yep. Um, and what I'm thinking is that if you remember, was it who was talking to Teddy? Was it uh, Ford who was talking to Teddy? Or someone said that you know now he's finally got his now he finally has a backstory. Oh, that was Ford, right? So I have a feeling. Oh, oh, this oh, oh was it? Or was it the Men in Black that said it? I don't remember. It, it could but, have been the Men in Black, Eric, where, where he goes when he says, "I got to go find Wyatt," and the Men in Black says, "Oh, you now finally have a backstory." So yeah, I don't so know. Regardless, was the idea the is that this is something new. So I have a feeling his memory of what happened in that town with Wyatt is the new memory, right? Because it's part of the new storyline. That's line his backstory. Yeah. Right. That's his new backstory that didn't exist before. And so he remembers that story. But what actually happened um, in one of the earlier timelines, whether it's the timeline with William or the earlier timeline with Dolores, is that he was one of the robots that went a little odd uh, in the early days of the park, either not long after the park opened or in one of those, because uh, Ford did mention that they ran the park for a few years trying to work the bugs out of the robots. Mm-hmm. Right, where it wasn't even open to the public. So it could have yeah, been three, three there years, as well. Three years. So yeah, I think okay. one is what actually happened and one is what he imagines had happened. Right, okay, okay. So you're saying that there's two timelines where one is not even a timeline, it may just be a fake backstory that's programmed in him, and then the other was when he actually did go psycho and killed everybody, but you're throwing a new thing out, which is that could have even been done not during the regular running of the park, but it could have been done in the three years prior to the park opening. Well, that was one of the things... Again, that's something I picked up of one of the many reviews I read of the episode where someone had suggested maybe this is stuff that and, happened in the... And that, then that would assume that, that Teddy is similar to Dolores then, which is phase one host. Right. And that's one way we can find out is if they show Teddy when he gets gutted. They didn't show it. They showed him getting disemboweled here, but they didn't actually show the insides. But had they showed us the insides, we would have then known whether or not he was host phase one or one of the prior hosts, and we, and we didn't get that yet. So had they had shown us, then we would have definitely been able to uh, put at least some time frame on it, meaning it could have been a 33-year time frame rather than just, say, the last five years or whatever. Um, okay, so... My, what we ask you this though, Mike or Eric, what what did the woman say? What what did her, what did she mean? Or or is this as vague to me as it is to you? Which is, is she implying that Teddy? I don't Europe, think we can possibly understand. So I it's think one it's, of, one, it's I think it was her way of saying you're going to have to wait seven days to find out. Yeah, I think you're right. That's what I think too. I think I think it's one of the things that was unanswered. They gave us more information without answering anything, and has made us now wonder more. So, so I, in other words, it wasn't 
it was to give us more for his story, but not answer the questions yet. And hopefully we'll figure out some of those next week. And I'm pretty sure we will, because it's like you said, Mike, if they hadn't renewed it and they just trashed it after the one season, they wouldn't want to leave a storyline uh, open-ended. So I well, figure we'll, and, we'll figure out next week. Yeah, next week's episode is an hour and a half. Ooh! Ooh. Yeah, that's interesting. That's nice according to IMDb. Okay, good. Um, all right, so any further things about Teddy and his storyline that anybody wanted to bring up or any theories you wanted to bring up? Nope, don't nope I think we'll find Teddy. out next week. Okay, very well, very well. I just thought I'd ask because sometimes, you know, it's, you may want to give us your opinion, and then if it turns out right, you can go, I told you so. Yeah, like any one of us wanted to be lumped in with the Red Bull uh, Redditors at this point. <laughs> that, that's a fair point. Especially, Sounds uh, like an ex- expansion sports franchise. Anyway, all right. All right, so um, what other storylines do we have? We have, I think we only have two others, or or, or is there more? I mean, we got the, the Logan-William-Dolores storyline. We have, Del- I guess, Dolores alone. And then we also have... The Ford Bernard storyline, yep. and I think that's it. Unless am I missing something else? Oh, oh, then we have um, um, uh, Ashley storyline, Stubbs, Ashley Stubbs storyline. Ooh, that's the that's Hemsworth's character. Oh, okay, the security guy. Okay, Ashley. well, let's get his out of the way. He goes looking for um, Elsie and disappears. He gets attacked by one of the Indians. Yeah, well, by, by one of the yeah non. Well, well, it, what, how he gets there, though. The, how he gets, yeah, the non-offensive term for Indian, I guess. Um, which is ghost riders. I don't know what they call them. But either way, um, how he gets there is interesting, right? Because he, I forget who he talks to. Is it Charlotte? Is he talking to? Somebody, he, somebody brings him an alert. Yeah, says that they found Elsie communicating or Elsie's cell phone, um, uh, GPSed in a section of the, the, the park that techies had or any employee hadn't been to for a while and they're curious why and never mind the fact that Elsie hasn't been seen for two days or whatever time frame this takes place in that he goes all right I'll check it out and so he takes one of those magical elevators that bring you to whatever section it is and at first, before the whole scene happened, I was wondering if it was the section where Ford's um, house. Yeah, house is, the little English house. But we never find out what it is, what section it is necessarily. And when he gets there, he find, and he, he, does he even find a phone, or does he just call and say, I don't see anything here? Yeah, because, he tries oh, what, to call, but he can't. Yeah, what happens is there's a the Jeep. He doesn't actually find anything what he does is he goes to the exact gps coordinate you know longitude latitude coordinate that the detection was and when he gets there um he tries to call back and then the these ghost indian native americans whatever you want to call them begin to attack him and he starts using the commands which is you know freeze and freeze motor and, functions and none of it's working which is, I guess, tackled. Yeah, yeah, and them not working, 
is a curiosity, and and then he gets tackled and knocked out, and and that's it, right? That he's out of the, the episode for this episode, right? Yep. Um. So well, what, and again, we've seen that they. Oh wait, no, these are the Indians. I'm thinking of the. Uh... Well, we've seen the the who's the Wyatt people not respond to being shot. Yeah. And now we have these Indians, the ghost people, whatever they are. Are acting unusual. Um, so yeah, it's be curious to see where they end up going with this and what that revelation is. And I'm sure this all ties in with Ford's new storyline. Yeah. So do you think? So these may not be just robots going off the rails like Dolores and Meve have. These robots may have been programmed by Ford. You're thinking, Mike, to not answer to people like Ashley Stubbs, for that matter. Yeah, for lack of a better term, they may be programmed to go off the rails. Right, intentionally by Ford. You don't think they're, they're the, the ghost in the machine, Arnold? Well, you know, ghost in the machine, that would, that would tie in with their name now, wouldn't it? That's true. Uh, because that's, that's the thing, is that there's... I, I'm the one that always says that, the ghost in the machine, because what else can Arnold be if people meaning robots or hosts can communicate with this program that claims it's something like Arnold out there or Arnold tells me to do things. All I can think of is, is that it's like a ghost in the machine um, unless he's broadcasting somewhere behind the, you know, the curtain. Um, so if these Indians, which we can assume are ro- hosts, not humans, and then yet they're not responding to Ashley Stubbs, we can assume one of two things, which is what you said, Mike. One, it's part of Ford's storyline, and they won't respond because Ford purposely programmed that. Or two, they're what I may suggest, which is that it's Arnold slash Ghost in the Machine that's doing this, which is what sent Dolores off to do what she started to doing. Any further thoughts? Anybody have any further thoughts on it? No, I think it's too little information at this point. Yeah, okay. And we'll obviously find out most of this next week as well. Um, and I'll be curious to see um, what happens to Stubbs, too. Because you never know. This may be one of those things where they just wipe out half the cast and go with new cast members next year. I mean, like Walking Dead seems to do. I mean, what you know, because they if... Everything is as it seems. Elsie and Teresa are gone. And next week, you figure there could be a couple others that go. And it wouldn't surprise me if some of these lesser characters like Lee and Stubbs get taken out too. And they start with, you know, brand new characters next next year, but who knows. Um, Anyway, let's let's move on because, like you said, it's, it's nothing that's been answered and we'll have to wait. Um, until next week. Um, so what do we want to talk about now? Do we want to talk about Logan, William, or do we want yeah, to talk, about, talk about that? Okay. All right. Let's do that. Um, Go ahead, Eric. So basically we start out with them, uh, being in the camp, right? Yeah. Yeah. Basically they're prisoners, Dolores and Logan, and they're arguing about, um, this world and basically Logan is saying it's just a friggin' world to a vacation, a world to have fun, whatever. And 
yet uh, William keeps on saying, no, it's that may be true, but Dolores is different. And then Dolores says a, a great line, which is, if this is a world to escape the real world, why would I want to leave this world? Because obviously everybody uh, is trying to escape your world. You know, and and so not so many words. But basically what it is is... If your world is so great, why do you keep coming here? Right, exactly. So because basically what, what she says. Yeah, because basically Logan says, William, what do you plan to do? Try to sneak around in a park? Are you insane? And, and then she goes, why do I want to sneak out of the park? And then she says that line because, mm. yeah. And I thought that was a pretty impressive line because it's it a, a good it, line. But if you really look at it and dig deep, I don't think the line really matters that much because someone like Logan is saying, I mean, I mean, you could take it two ways. You take it as, you know, let's all escape the machine and go off and to this fancy world called Westworld. But it also could be be taken as uh, literal, which is where Logan would say, oh, no, I'd rather go back to my other world. It's, it's still good. It's just that I like my vacation, and this is the place I chose to find my vacation. Um, well, it's a couple of things. One, it it's points out that she's got, at this point, contempt for real people because she's basically just seeing a lot of really bad examples of people or maybe normal examples of people or at least least, people suck if not necessarily people like at least the strangers or the newcomers as they call them right right the 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 guests right they've not left the best impression as to what people are so there's that and it's also i'm wondering if you know long term maybe this is going to set up uh, a different faction of of host, right? Because you have on the one hand, we have we have the two female hosts that are self-aware, which is Maeve and Dolores. Dolores doesn't give a shit about getting into the real world. Well, Maeve, that's her primary objective, right? Is right to get out there, and yep. you know who knows if this is going to end up setting up a conflict for later seasons. Never, never mind a third group, which could be. The ones that aren't aware, right? Well, so but they're not—they're not aware. They're not going to be involved so much in in the battle in any decisive way. They would be at yeah. best tools. Yeah, that's a good point. And then, and then, the, and then, of course, the fourth group would be the humans, I guess, to, to stop the robot rebellion. Oh, but, but then, but no, but <laughs> ah, but then the humans—you're going to have the humans. You would have the fill team. You're damn right. They're, they're just robots. That's right. And then you would have the mic team. Who would say, but they're deserving of consideration and equal rights, and and so you would really think that? That's just that's stupid. Well, that's not, pretty dismissive. Well, well, they, they do have a good story here where where uh, Ford discusses this later, and he actually discusses my point and your point, Eric and Mike, where where when he discusses the Neanderthals, right? And we'll we'll get there when we do that, but but. I, I yeah, and I don't think the robot should ever have any rights, even if they become self-aware, because they're not they're not uh, humans. Yeah, we know. Not alive. All right. Anyway, so you're saying, Mike? Yeah. So the humans could choose sides as well, and it appears that one of them is like William and Logan are. Well, I don't. I wouldn't call Logan choosing side. He's just being a realist, meaning. No, Logan is completely uninvolved. He he just he doesn't give a shit. He's yeah he, yeah. They, he just they, looks they, out they are no different parts. than. Video than the, the programs in a video game. Exactly. So he's he's not 
uh, politically motivated by any means at all. You're absolutely well, right. Well, let's put it this way. He hasn't spent enough time or paid attention to Dolores. Right. William is right. Dolores is different. We know that because we've been watching the show for the last nine weeks. Right. Logan right. doesn't know that because he hasn't really been paying attention to her. So he has no reason to believe that she's any different than any of the others that he's been interacting with who really are no different, who are just disposable entertainment. Right. That's a fair point. Uh, I'm glad you did that because I know Eric hates Logan and I know they're setting Logan up to be like a bad guy. Well, he's and a douchebag. He, and he's definitely a douchebag, yeah, because he's part of, you know, he's the wealthy prick and blah, 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 and all that crap. But everything that he discusses, at least in this episode, in my opinion, is absolutely legit for someone who just looks as, as who comes there, you know, t- twice a year for, like Christy does to Disney World, for two years, I mean, for two weeks, and then goes home. He's just looking at it as, like he's a live action video game and right. it makes sense. And everything he says is true. But I guess what you said, Mike, which is an excellent point, which is us following storylines of the show. We see the development of how certain robots have become different than the standard Westworld robot, specifically Maeve and Dolores. And that's where I guess you could argue um, William's point, which isn't necessarily right, especially if you look at my perspective, but it at least has something that can be discussed as as potentially uh, a, a talking point. Anyway, yep. Um. So to prove, yeah. So so Logan being the the, the douchebag that he is to prove that. Um, William is insane, at least in his eyes, that William is, is not, if not insane, that William has, has uh, gone native, if you prefer. Uh, he takes Dolores, and he may have raped her, because we cut, and, we don't, and then we come back, uh, you know, 30 minutes later, when we pick up this storyline. But he, he and the Confederados may have raped the character. That's my implication. I didn't take that away from her, but you could be right. And, yeah, yeah, right. And then the second thing he does is when they come back, and you can tell William's all angry and depressed and all that, possibly because of either some sort of violence that occurred, whether it was a rape or, or who knows what. Um, he he takes Logan takes Dolores and he disembowels her, and Logan like freaks out. Not Logan, William freaks out, but. William makes his point. I mean, Logan makes his point, which is look, and he pulls open at where the intestines should be and fall out. Instead of intestines falling out, we see um, pistons. Yeah, pistons and such. Basically, a robot underneath the the skin. Um, and Dolores isn't dead either. She's not dying necessarily either, which is interesting as well. Um, which kind of should make. Logan suddenly think, oh, she is different because she's not dying. Because usually when they get disemboweled, disemboweled, their program tells them to shut off to as a, to be dead, basically. And yet Dolores do- doesn't. Dolores runs. Because after she gets disemboweled, he kind of lets her go, assuming that she's just probably going to croak 
like most robots supposed to shut off when they get a mortal wound. She doesn't, and she runs. Right. Um, so I, I guess we can uh, discuss what happens next, which is simply that he sends the Confederados to go after her, and then William says that he now understands, and he apologizes. And Logan frees him, and they have that moment of, of um, I guess, kindness where Logan says, I want to really, ha- you know, make this work. You're going to be my brother-in-law. You're marrying my sister. Um, this was for fun. I wasn't looking at this as anything more than, you know, a bonding moment for us guys. You know, and, and it's even alluded to that, you know, I've been here before. I know how it works. It's, you know, I good, bad, it doesn't matter because when you go home, it's it was justification. Um, and Logan, I mean, William basically agrees and they, they hug and whatnot. Um, and then the story passes along for a while and then we come back. And uh, what happens here? Who wants to talk about this since I've been talking? <laughs> um Basically, what happens is that uh, Logan wakes up uh, and stands up and sees that basically everybody in the camp has been killed. Um, and so he's like wandering around trying to figure out what the hell happened and comes across William. Uh, and William basically says, you know what? I, You're right. This is all just a game. And I finally figured out how to play. <laughs> uh, so now we're going to go find Dolores and you're going to help me and don't call me Billy um, so I think the implication here is that William in the middle of the night killed everybody in the camp yes? I'm thinking that too um, and not just killed him but he, he like, dismembered him yeah he went psycho Like like a, in other words everything that he claims Logan is which is this weirdo that's murdering and raping and whatever robots or, or video game characters in his eyes. Lo, uh, William does the exact same thing to even more extreme, I would say, because he, like you said, he disembowels them, he rips arms off. He's, I mean, the, these corpses are, are literally dis, dismantled, right? I mean, they rip the shreds. Yeah, there's pieces, parts all over the place. Yeah, so he snapped. Um, and then he threatens Logan. And we find out that he wasn't on board. He was just lying so he could get the upper hand, which he did. And Logan probably still could take him out if he hadn't been startled about the whole thing. Because I think I think he's completely shocked he, that this guy literally just snapped. And is like oh, yeah, he's kind of crapping his pants right now. Yeah, so he thinks he's with a crazy person. And to be honest, you could argue he probably is. Um, oh, but they're just robots, Phil. No, but he, he he was threatening Logan with a knife. So this guy's crazy. I'm telling you, he's crazy. I um, think Logan had it coming. Well, I, I, he definitely deserved a beating from his future brother-in-law, but I, I don't know um, if, if you should have a knife put to your throat. When you're in no, Logan wasn't flies. put into his throat. He didn't yeah. actually kill him. He just threatened to kill him. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, I mean, let's let's mention. So here, presumably, um, unless this is a massive red head, red herring, 
Um, this is the birth of the man in black, right? I'm thinking so. Yeah, because he mass murdered mm, all the robots. Maybe. And, I want to talk the, about that later. Well, and he, you may be right, Eric, but also another good point is two things. One, he says, don't call me William, which. No, he says, don't call me Billy. Don't call me Billy, okay. And two, he has a Bowie knife that looks familiar with the Bowie knife that the man in black has. Right. But Eric, what do you, what would you want to talk about, or were you going to say you? It's, it's from another okay. storyline, so we'll get there. Okay. Right, and let's remember now there's significance in in the robots because these are clearly old model robots. Yeah. Uh, well, we, oh, you're right because if this because, is a flash backwards, these are closer to the first host. Yeah, you're right. Right. So this gives credence to that theory as well because they mentioned in an earlier episode, I think it was yep. two weeks ago, that they used to be. You know, all shiny bits, right? And then they made them flesh and blood, basically, right? right. Which are the 3D printed models that we see in the opening credits each week. Also, also too, Mike, um, Logan, knowing when he cuts open Dolores that there's going to be pistons there versus, say, if someone did it in the present day, they don't know which one, what type they're going to cut. Well, but, I think they made a mention that, first of all, there's only a handful of first edition robots still running around right but that they can update the the hardware easier than that that i think even the older ones have new bodies it's just the the mind and the the programming that oh but my that's that that's not my my point which is uh my point was is that the logan in other words if it was the modern day if this storyline was was not a flashback but if it was the modern day when you cut open a robot, you're more apt to find, uh, you're more apt to not find the pistons. Right. And for Logan to know, without even worrying about that five percent chance that it was going to be a first phase or a seventh phase host, this is another clue that, oh, okay, this must be the flashback that all the Reddit Red Bull people are talking about because. Logan knew immediately that no matter which one he cut open, they were going to have the pistons. Right. Well, I don't think um, I don't think in the modern park, I don't think there's anyone's with pistons still running around. I think uh, they've I think all been up to them. I th- yeah, I thought thought that thing, which is what Eric was talking about uh, when he saw that Dolores was on the phase one list that. Yeah, at one point Bernard pulled up a list of right. Uh, no, but I think they had mentioned at some point that they 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 were upgraded. I don't think I, maybe I'm wrong about that. Uh, it's unimportant. Let's move on. Well, it's unimportant, but it's just what I'm saying is if that's the reason why it's important that we saw all the robots had the shiny bits. Right. right. Well, well had, had the gears I've, and pistons because that because then you can't say well it's just because she's an older model because all of them aren't going to be older models. There are only a handful of older models in the park. And, and, and yeah, there's only a handful of older models in the park in the present day, which includes Dolores. So she would still have the shiny bits, I would think, inside of her. But Logan wouldn't know that necessarily if it was the modern day for the fact that, you know, they don't announce that this is a model from phase one. So I'm thinking more what Eric's thinking, which is that. Dolores or all the phase ones may have been updated a little bit, but they still probably have all those problems, not problems, but you know, the older 
mechanical technology that they always had when they were first created 30, 35 years ago. So I don't, let's move on. Well, it's almost unimportant, Eric, except they wouldn't have mentioned it or even had those scenes where Bernard was looking at the model, first wave models and all that. If it wasn't at least uh, a hint of the timelines or, some significance somewhere in, within the story eventually, because otherwise it was just a throwaway scene. Don't you think? Whatever. Damn you. Curse you, Eric Webster. I just want to move on. I'm just here right. so I don't get fined. So, so here's, we saw a scene, I think it was last week, where Dolores approaches the river and she sees herself face down in the river. Yeah, dead, yeah. Was that this Dolores? It could be. It, it could be, and the reason it could be is because they it both had the same outfit on, the cowgirl outfit, the same cowgirl outfit. It wasn't the dress Dolores; it was the cowgirl Dolores. Um, but again, though, that could be still the third storyline, maybe. I don't know why. What are you implying, Mike? Well, I'm just trying to figure out because part of the problem is that Dolores' story arc is that she's 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 the unreliable narrator. We're seeing her, I think, in her present form, wandering through Westworld to that the town in the sand. Yep. And we're seeing her flash back to multiple memories, and it's hard to keep track of which Dolores. Sort of like we see with Bernard. Right, where we see Bernard's memories jumping back and forth. Right, and it's hard to and you know which Dolores is in which time frame. Right, and, and what does her well, and face it's, it's, down yeah, mean? Well, it's hard to keep track too because when we're on modern Dolores, she starts having memories. Right, so it will be modern Dolores remembering something from a while ago, and then we switch back, and it's confusing. And also another. Interesting thing too, Mike, about the Dolores in the river is that she's looking at herself rather than look, uh, being in the perspective of the Dolores in the river. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, in other words, in other words, if 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 they were going to show it, wouldn't they have showed her floating dead in the river rather than her looking at the river and seeing herself dead? If that makes any sense. Nope, sure doesn't. Well, if, if we're looking at it through her perspective or we're, you know, falling behind her in a sense and we're, you know, as if you're third person perspective, wouldn't we, I, I, it was, it's difficult to see how she would see herself in the river unless she's looking at a different Dolores. Or unless it, she's uh, like hallucinating. Well, right, right. Because I mean, when we think of our memories in the past, right, like what we did Three hours ago, I'm looking at my daughter doing something. I'm not looking at myself looking at my daughter doing something. You see what I'm saying? I think you're being way too nitpicky. Yeah, all right. That's fair. That's fair. Well, that, that that's the thing. It's, it's like because we don't know what timeline that is. All I know, I can say is, is that we see her looking in the river at someone that appears to be her face down in the river in the same cowgirl outfit that she's wearing at that moment. So does that mean 
what does that mean? When, when, when did that occur if she's wearing the same outfit? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. When do you, Mike, you're the one that brought it up. What, what, what do you think about the woman or the Dolores that's drowning or dead in the water? I'm thinking it's this Dolores. So when they drag her off and they kill her, it's this Dolores. It's the, it's the Dolores with William. But, oh, I see. So you think they did kill her after, oh, all right, I get it what you're saying, Mike. You're saying that when we see Logan getting beaten up by William with the knife, Dolores is already dead in the river and she was killed. Probably. Ah, so when we see the rest of the Dolores that's coming up, that is a different timeline altogether than what we're seeing right now. Probably. Oh, all right. Now I'm seeing what you're saying. See, that's why I was a little confused. Okay, all right. That makes sense. Yeah, all right. So the Confederados probably did kill her. It's possible. No, yeah, okay. All right. So any further things about the William Logan story? And then otherwise... Uh, after that, it, it's basically Dolores traveling through... Well, I think it's logical to move to Dolores next. Okay. Um, so we get modern day, we think, Dolores. Wandering down into the town with the church. Um, and this is actually... It was, it was really interesting the way they edited all this. Uh, because isn't... Don't we hear... Um, don't you hear somebody talking over her while she's doing this? Yeah. What happens is just two things that's going on, Eric. One is it's got to be her in present day, but in prior days too, because they have her switch back and forth between cowgirl and, and, uh, uh, dress Dolores. If you notice, they, they switch outfits in every other scene that she's in. So, it's a if you if you pay if you're not paying attention that closely you wouldn't notice it. But, no, I noticed the switch, but I couldn't okay. tell if it was actually, um, if it was her hallucinating it or if it was an actual different story going on. Oh, okay. So you're you're wondering if it was just her hallucinating or if it was her remembering her doing this? Because I think all day. of it is going on present day, and she's just remembering what happened a long time ago. Okay. Yeah, see, I was thinking that she's done this trip many times and she was remembering herself doing it other times as well as doing it at the present moment. No, could be. But the other thing, Eric, was is that, yeah, the people were talking. Bernard and Ford are talking over this whole scene because as we're doing the Bernard-Ford-Clementine scene, they keep on replaying. They're playing the Dolores scene at the same time. Right. So, so, the, so, so the whole thing is we're not going to talk about the Bernard Ford scene just yet, uh, but that's all going on at the same time as this. So it all dovetails together into one final reveal. Um, right. Which we're going to end up stating first here in this scene, but it also ties into the other one. Right. So... Um, Mike, you didn't have any anything. Eric had a good point to ask you that. What was your opinion of 
Dolores seeing herself in a in the skirt or the dress Dolores versus the cowgirl Dolores. You don't have any idea if it was. Well, this is a replay of of sort of what we have what happened with Teddy. It's a replay of something that happened. Uh, didn't we see this last week or something Part similar? Yeah, where she shoots herself. That was a little different, but similar. So I'm thinking that she might be the robot that goes nuts and kills people in at least one version of the timeline, or maybe both she or and the, Teddy go nuts. There's a and kill really people. heavy hit that that's true. Yeah. Which we'll talk about in a second. Um, so let's talk about her thing. There's uh, basically, she goes into the church, whether it's a flashback or a hallucination, she sees a bunch of other robots that we know. Well, and this is when they're talking about Arnold using uh, the code to be the inner voice for the robots to try and bootstrap consciousness. Um, it just, some of them, it just makes them go crazy. Uh, and so this church is full of all the crazy robots talking to their own program. So, yeah. Um, and and the thing is, is that not only were all the robots that, I guess, went crazy in the church, but then she goes into the confessional, and uh, which makes sense, you know, uh, Westworld, Spanish church, probably, whatever. <laughs> right. And um, It's an elevator. <clears throat> exactly. And a little, least... little, little bit of a get smart moment. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, and I've got this theme song in my head. Yeah, me too. And I'm picturing the man in black with a shoe phone. <laughs> there you go. He uh, takes the confession invader uh, down to the basement, and once again we're melding between present time and memories and she remembers back in the day when there were a bunch of other robots down there being tested and repaired and she goes into this room and it's apparently a debriefing room and so she starts having um, this memory of being debriefed by um, well she calls him Arnold we know him as Bernard. So here's the big reveal, uh, which is that uh, Ford created Bernard to look exactly like Arnold. Um, and Arnold used to uh, debrief the robots and pay particular attention to the ones that were coming sentient. So she kind of has this memory of being uh, debriefed by Arnold. And then she she says, you told me to go to the maze. You told me it would make me happy. Um, can you help me now? And he was like, I can't help you, Dolores. Can you remember why? And she said, you can't, you can't help me because you're dead. And then she says something else. And then she says, you can't help me because I killed you. Right. And and before we talk about that, I just want to bring up one other scene where she has a flashback of a young Ford um, coming out of a debriefing with another robot, maybe even her, we don't see it, and he, he goes into this office. And starts yelling at Arnold. At someone that has, Arnold, that has the same voice as Bernard. Mm. And, and it's basically, I think it's the argument of 
sentient versus not and, and what the point of the robots are and all that. And um, I think that was an, another thing, too, of note. I don't know what it actually necessarily means, but it shows that the two creators of Westworld, possibly even a three, because there's even a, a, a picture that we see with a third man in the picture, and I don't even know who the hell that man is. Um, basically, they're not on the same page necessarily. Uh, that's one thing of note. Um, and I think that, I don't know what that means, um, because it could mean a lot of things. And this is just, I guess, nothing from Reddit, but just my own guess is that maybe Ford, Doris didn't just snap and kill this Arnold as she thinks. Maybe Ford programmed her to kill Arnold because of, you know, maybe our, you know, Ford is possibly a sociopath and his, com his co-creator wanted to go in a different direction. How can we kill the co-creator to make it look like an accident or even better than an accident, but have one of the robots that he was trying to make a certain way do the killing. Let's do it. Here you go. You can't, right. you, get, you right. know, so, so I'm thinking that that may have been the case too. I mean, we're going to find that out probably next week. Um, or, Arnold could have just been a, an idiot and the robots did go crazy and he happened to be killed. Um, so what, what, what do you guys think? Uh, Eric, Mike, what do you guys any well, further? Yeah, go on. I think it's pretty clear that the accident that they refer to is Dolores killing Arnold. Uh, as to how exactly that all goes down, I hope they show us next week. Mike, what about yourself? Well, it's she has a flashback to not just well, this comment about killing Arnold, but of lots of bodies in that underground lair. Right? She sees oh, that. So there's, yeah, yeah. So, now, whether that was um, a consequence of Arnold pushing them to sentience, or whether that was Ford... Sabotaging? Sabotaging it. That's the part that remains to be seen. And I'm not sure which... I would prefer. Right. Um, but certainly you're at a point where Ford is a far, far worse human being than was uh, presented what? in the first, say, five episodes. And why do you say that, Mike? Well, because he is. Because of um, the, the, the deaths of Teresa and Elsie? Well, other things, yeah. It's other all things. told, it's, it's this particular dimension he has or this obsession he has but early on like for example he said well he couldn't really come up with a good villain and we got the impression that that Arnold was more the hardcore guy and and he was the kindly old fart right and now it f appears to be flipped right that Arnold is really more concerned with creating sentience. He doesn't give a shit about the park. Right. Um, Ford, is, Ford is a story guy. Or uh, Yeah, and Ford is the story guy, and all he cares about is his damn story. And he doesn't really care about the people that much. Because, I mean, he, he his best friend dies, and he builds another version of the best friend, but it's a new and improved version because it's the improved version of his friend that he'll always win the arguments with. That's a fair point. Well, that's why I said he's possibly a sociopath. In most 
cases, I would argue or, or state that sociopaths are evil. And I could state that Ford most certainly is evil just for the fact that he killed two people um, or at least participated in, in the murder of two people. Um, but um, I, I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily say that's evil creating a replica, but I would definitely say that it's definitely bizarre and it definitely shows a, a trait in as him as a human. Why would he make a robot that looked exactly like either his boss or his partner? Unless it's like you said, Mike, it's his way of now. Okay. Now I've won. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you that, that, okay. It definitely makes him more of a, I guess, darker character than, than a gray character for sure. Right. So I think we need to talk about, uh, Bernard and Ford. Um, anything else we want to touch on Dolores before we get there? Yes. Yes. Uh, we'd all like to touch on Dolores a little bit. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. I give yeah, sure. She's Evan Rachel Wood. There you go. Um, but I, I have a question because if the, the picture of the three people and, and it could have been shown here or it could have been shown in the Bernard Ford Clementine, but I forget which, but either way, I don't think it matters because they both link together and, and give us the same, uh, answer and also not only give us the same answer, but give it to us twice to make it really a fact. Um, but who is the third person in the picture? Because we have the young Ford and we have Arnold who looks identical to Bernard because Bernard as a robot doesn't age. So there you go. But there's a third man in the picture. Does anybody know what that is or who that is? Because they don't even mention it. They don't say, oh, and that's the third guy. They just show the picture and the reveal is over the Arnold is Bernard. I'm going to have to go back. Um, well, I'm not going to go back and watch this. So don't hold your breath waiting for this answer. But I think in a prior episode, that same picture um, had been shown to Bernard by Ford. And when Bernard looked at it, all he saw was Ooh, Ford man. and the other guy. Right. So wait, wait say uh, that again. I think in a prior episode, it's true. There's a, there's a scene when Bernard is in Ford's office, and they're having a discussion about Arnold, and he's talking about his partner Arnold. And at that time, he hands Bernard a picture, um, that uh, has it's. I think it's the same picture here in this episode. Only I when Bernard right. looks at it, Bernard doesn't see himself because it's a it's a host thing. Right. Um, so I think like, the first like time we saw that door. picture, we saw the, the we saw Ford and the other guy, and immediately assumed that the other guy was Arnold. When in actuality, uh, it was the third guy that we couldn't see because we were looking at it through Bernard's perspective. Right. That makes you understand that, Mike. Yeah. Okay. I got it. So. That, so that that's another cute thing. Um, it doesn't answer who the third guy is. But right. it, it's, but, it's I, but good, I think we we thought yeah. we'd been given that answer before, and that was Arnold. But now we know it's not Arnold. So right. who the hell is it? Yeah, yeah. So two things that were cool about that too. It's not only who is this third person, and does it even matter? It has to matter because I, I can't believe they would just have it as a red herring. But the second thing is is that it was a red herring because when we saw the picture originally out of the perspective of Bernard, who at the time we didn't know was a host, 
he wasn't seeing it because he isn't supposed to see certain things like hosts do. You know, you know, they don't supposed to see. Um, I see nothing hey, wrong here. Exactly. There you go. Thank you. Um, so that yeah, that's that's a, a neat little little thing about um, the picture. Um, but otherwise, anybody have any idea who the third person is? And do you think we'll find no, out? No clue. What about you, Mike? I'm not getting a good look at him. I'm not sure when does... I'm, see, I'm curious when Arnold died. I'm under the impression that Arnold had died... It was before the park was open, I think, right? Before before the Williams storyline, right? Yeah, so it would be anywhere between uh, zero to three years, and we're assuming that we're at least 33 years now into the future. When, okay, when so the- so it's not yeah, so it's not going to be a later picture of William, and doesn't didn't really look like him anyway, or the man or an early picture of the man in black. Right. Um, right. Yeah. So I really don't know the forged fucked up younger brother. I don't know. Um, I, I, and unless I mean, there's one thing. Like uh, if it is the man in black as a younger man, then that would eliminate the the story that the man in black and William are the same people. Yeah, it probably would, but I don't. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, yeah. I, so that may be one of the things that's going to come out in next season. Or he was there as a placeholder because they needed somebody to be there, right? So right. that yeah. we would have two people when looking through Bernard's perspective, right? All right. Yeah, that's curious. Uh, and will they even? If it is that Mike, where it's just they needed a third person to for the thing. Um, it'll be curious to see if anybody will ever find out and they'll even mention it even in passing to answer the question, which is, oh, that was just a, a, a guest that wanted to meet the two people and he's not important. You know, like, like when you see a picture of Bill Clinton with, with two people who are those two people, oh, they were just people that were, you know, that he met on the street type of thing. doesn't matter who they are. Um, so that's a good point. We don't, we won't know. And it'll be curious if we ever will. All right, so is there anything else about the Dolores storyline and this reveal, or do we should we go right into the Clementine Bernard Ford storyline? <laughs> Let's go into the Bernard Ford storyline. Okay. And Clementine. Uh, Clementine is present. I don't really think she's part of the storyline, though. She's always part of everything, my friend. She, yeah, Phil's just got a crush. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so this all starts when Maeve tells Bernard to... If he goes looking for the truth, make sure he gets the whole truth. Uh, so Bernard sets up a meet with Ford in the cold storage basement. Um, and basically confronts him with the fact that he's a host. Uh, and says, give me give me all my memories. I, I want to know everything. Um, so uh, I don't even know how to get into this because it gets a little weird. There's this whole thing with his cornerstone, right? His backstory uh, about the death of his son, and so yeah. a lot of a lot of that is going on during these memories that he's he's uh, exploring. Well, Eric, if I could set it up, uh, basically, he asks, tells Ford, "I want to meet Arnold, the person who created me," and Ford says, "No, you don't want to go back to your old memories." 
And he demands it to the point where he pulls out a gun and Ford says, oh, you can't use a gun on me. And he goes, so he calls in Clementine, who, as we know, had the lobotomy and hands the gun to her. He says, I can't, but Clementine can because she hasn't been reprogrammed yet. So if you don't do what I say, I'm going to have her kill you. And so Ford agrees to do it. And this is when we, we get these all these weird memories that you're talking about, Eric. And so that was the setup. Right. Sorry, I, I was on mute. Um, so he starts having these memories about the, the child dying in the hospital room. Um, and I, I don't understand the significance. It's all I'm sure it's all very deep and everything, but it went a little bit over my head. Uh, he basically tells his son about how he's got to let him go and move on. And I'm not quite sure why they took the time to show us all that. Well, one thing would be maybe the little hint that Mike said about Charlie slash Charlotte. Oh, maybe. maybe. Um, otherwise, you're right, Eric, because if it's this programs, you would think the backstory would just be the son dying and all that, not this weird surreal scene where the son dies. Well, you know what? I, th- I think what happened, Eric, I think that may be a real memory and not even a dream. What it was is it appears that he was programmed. No, it, it is a memory. It's one of his, it's his backstory. Yeah, it was basically he was programmed to ha- watch his son die. I-, I thought originally the whole thing was just a program, but it, based off of what happens here, it appears it wasn't just a program. It's actually a, pro- a memory um, instead. So what it is is his son dies, and he watches the the the, um, the medical providers try to save the son from death, whatever type of disease he has. And then Bernard says, sh- um, shut off processes or whatever. All the medical providers stop. And he sends him out of the room. And so he wakes his son up by saying, you know, turn on again. And then he has this weird story with the son where he says, I'm uh, got to move on and whatnot. So I don't, uh, the question is, 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 was that a memory or not? Because even though we're saying now it may have been a memory and not just a program that was programmed in him or a hallucination that he's having, when he tells the medical providers to shut down or leave us, well, yeah, and they the just flash away. They just disappear. It's not like they, we watched them walk out of the room either. And just I'm make, wondering if to that part, Bernard is actually manipulating his own programming. I think he's manipulating his memory. Okay. It's sort of the, the, when you, you know, the idea of when you're in a dream but you know you're in a dream, you have control over the dream, supposedly. Okay. Oh, so right. he's lucid dreaming. Ooh, sort of. Words, yeah. yeah. Maybe, yeah. Interesting. It is, actually, yeah. But, uh, so that keeps going, and he keeps on getting more memories. I honestly, I'm having trouble remembering what happens between that and the ultimate final conversation between him and Ford. Um. Yeah, so he has these weird memories and stuff. Oh, and then he then he has the wake up memory where 
he is turned online, right? And then oh, right, because he tells yeah. Ford to give him his earliest memory, and that's his earliest memory is being brought online by Ford. Right. Um, and that's when we get the reveal uh, because he gets, has him get stressed and as a final touch gives him his glasses. And then he puts the glasses on and Ford says, no, 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 you did that far too quickly. Um, he used to clean his glasses and he'd use it as a moment to pause and reflect before he put them on. Try it again. Right. So he does that. Um, and then Bernard asks him what his name is. He's like, what's my name? And and Ford says, I've been so busy putting you together, I hadn't even thought of it. I can't give you his name because that would just be weird. Why don't we call you Bernard? He's like, okay, I'm Bernard. Um, and basically this is where we get the reveal that uh, he made Bernard in Arnold's image. Um, right, and apparently I didn't know the last name of Arnold or didn't remember it. But it was it's Bernard Lowe. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's an anagram of Arnold, whatever his last name is. So that ah, was okay. a clue that had been there. Um, apparently there are going to be people that will anagram everybody's name on a TV show the moment they appear. So Bernard is an anagram of Arnold then? Right. Bernard Lowe is an anagram of Arnold whatever. Oh, possibly. Mm-hmm. No, we don't know. Uh, no, no, we know it. It's I know the name. I just don't know the name. No, the we name don't is know. out there. I just don't remember what it is. What, Arnold's last name? Yes. Oh, I didn't know we had Arnold's last name. Okay. Interesting. Okay. I always thought it was just Arnold and we never had the, the name. That's interesting. Well, it could be something. I don't know if it's ever mentioned in the show, but it could be something that was in the, um, like on the website or promotional yeah, material. Sure, sure. That's a good point. Okay. All right. So it's an anagram. It's, how do you know that? Did you do it yourself or did you read no, that? No, I saw it somewhere again. It's been just staying up late drinking Red Bull. Yeah. That's right. No, I've actually just been sitting up late watching other people drink the Red Bull. Letting them do the hard work. Right. Um, so, okay, all right, so that's cool. It's cool. So so one thing, the red, the red herring is gone, which is, which is um, Bernard was made by Arnold, at least in Bernard's eyes. I mean, it was a, it was a slow red herring. I mean, it was a quick red herring because, mm. I mean, we, we, based off of what happened the last couple of weeks, we assumed that Bernard was made by Ford anyway. And then this week, based off of Neve at the very beginning of the episode, we're suddenly thinking, oh, okay, they're, they're telling us that Bernard was made by Arnold, not by Neve. And I was actually buying it, I mean, by, by Ford. And I was actually buying it because um, some of the things that he says, Ford, I mean, Alo says to Ford, which is... I forget exactly what it was, but he says stuff that I know you didn't create me and it was Arnold because based off of some of my memories and my programming, you uh, you don't ha- have access to and it says Arnold has access to it or Arnold created it. And so that's why I want you to now go send me back. So I was actually be- believing for a second there. And so I thought it was a really cool reveal when we find out that no, actually Ford was the creator all along. So they at least they tricked me for the the hour anyway the hour and five <laughs> minutes this episode was. Um, so where do we want to go from here? Do we want to? So, um, so once Bernard has had processed his memories, um, he starts having this conversation with Ford 
about sentience and about how he's going to take a, he's going to wake up all the sentient robots that have been bricked down here uh and he's going to be their leader and, and Ford goes what makes you think they'd follow you you're the one to put them down here um and basically tells Bernard that uh he has been the one that's been working against the robots the most effectively the whole time um and oh the Neanderthal story right right um basically yeah go on yeah go ahead Phil I can't tell the story oh it was something about how Bernard says that I'm gonna bring the robots like you said to back to life and all that and and become equals to the humans have rights and all these other things and then Bernard says you don't know the humans well enough do you because there was a human uh, Ford says it, not yeah. Ford says it. He goes, you don't know humans well enough because if you if you know humans, we always make sure that we don't have a competition to take you know our rights, our power, or whatever away. Because if you remember the story of the Neanderthals, these Neanderthals used to take our stuff away from us. They used to you know fight us and and steal our land and this and that. So guess what we did? The humans did. The homo sapiens did. We killed them all off. And technically also, I guess now we're discovering that we mated with them and we all have... The yeah, end. we fucked and them a, all to death. That's what we did. That's yeah. So <laughs> in, in reality, what probably happened was is that, yeah, they were the, the, the gene that... The non-dominant gene and they just disappeared is probably what happened. But another story is is that they were killed off by humans... And Ford tells that story, not the the mating story. He tells the the killing story, which is the humans killed them all off, and we cannibalized them almost. We ate them. We did all these terrible things with them. And we eliminated them. And guess what? We we still control the world now. And so you don't know humans well enough. You're not ever going to be equals to us. Right. Yeah, forgetting of course that that logic applies in two directions. Explain, Mike. The robots could kill us off and we're not going to let them live so well and that's the point mom been saying which is similar to the point where i said about planet of the apes when we did that episode five four and a half years ago mike or four years and ten months ago which is the you, you can't you can't let the apes do it you can't let the robots do it so i'm not going to support the, the robots because the robots could effectively be the homo sapiens and kill off the Neanderthals, which we would be the Neanderthals in that analogy. And that's a good point, Mike. And that's the thing that I'm worried about. That's the thing that um, that that uh, English scientist in real life is worried about, the uh, the guy that's paralyzed. I forget his name. Uh, what's his name? Stephen Hawking. Hawking. Stephen Hawking, yeah. So a lot of these people, are, I'm, I'm with those guys. So you're, you're right, Mike. The, the robots could do that. And Ford forgot to mention that and that's another reason why you could argue in his analogy of humans homo sapiens killing off neanderthals is if they didn't kill off the neanderthals the neanderthals could have killed off the humans so you could look at it that way too that it's self-preservation it has nothing to do with being evil humans doing stupid things it's self-preservation yeah but this is also getting back to you know what do you call um 
Snowpiercer, right? Maybe the solution is to sidestep that that issue, um, and and try to find a way to live together instead of trying to see who gets to kill each other off first. But there's a difference. Oh, there we go. The, no, the difference is well, you're right. Yeah, the difference is, is, is like, <laughs> a, a human is a human. Everybody, take here a drink. we go. Blah blah blah. Robots, Bart people. Blah blah. Uh, well, a human is a human. So blah 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 blah. And I mean, yeah, but a ro- human is a human, but a robot is a robot. And well, besides the Neanderthal example, right? I mean, we've seen it hundreds of times in in science fiction films, whether it's it's soap opera, uh, space opera stuff like Star Wars, or whether it's more realistic, uh, you know, like a Heinlein or, or something like that, uh, or a Hobbit or, or whoever. The thing is, is that species living together as equals that are intelligent it works in Star Wars, and you know, because you see the Greedos and all that. But in real life, we've never seen this. In other words, humans have never seen intellectually intellectually smart beings that are equals and whether or not we could live with them or not except for this analogy for the Neanderthals from you know 2000 BC or whatever it was well more than that a million BC but um, I don't know if it's even possible Mike you know that may just be a fantasy thing that we see in Star Trek and Star Wars yeah we'll see I mean it could be like uh, Arrival or Close Encounters, but it's not like they're staying to live with us, right? They're just visiting, you know, how oh, it was good. We, we've met other intelligent beings and they leave. It's That's a little different than, say, how it most likely would work out, which is what Stephen Hawking says, which is the stupidest thing we could ever do is try to find other beings from another planet because it would be like... the. Um, the Native Americans with the Europeans. We'd be wiped out and killed. Yeah, we'll find out. Well, I hope not. There we go. (laughs) Uh, So anyway. uh, Anyway, yeah. Uh, So Bernard and Ford basically get to the end of their little chat, and uh, Bernard doesn't like what he's hearing out of Ford, so he tells Clementine to shoot Ford, and she doesn't. And he's disappointed in that. And uh, Ford basically says something like, uh, a piano doesn't kill the piano player if it doesn't like the music. Um, And at that point, Clementine lowers the gun. And he's like, you built a backdoor into a code? And he's like, actually, you did that, Bernard, to all the robots as well as yourself. So thank you. He's just like being a real dick at this point. Can't blame him because the guy wanted to get him killed. (laughs) Uh, And so then uh, Bernard gets pissed. He goes, fine, erase my sentience and erase it. And Ford stops him in mid-sentences and says, I prefer the more narrative theme. And basically says, Bernard walks over to Clementine and takes the gun and he puts it up to his temple, knowing that when Ford leaves the room, he will end this nightmare forever. And Bernard puts the gun to his own head and can't stop himself. And what does he say to Ford on the way out the door? 
Well, there's a couple of interesting things. One was Ford says, you know, you should never trust a human because right. we, we always lie or, or, or are apt to lie or, or, or be self-preservation or whatever. And then the other thing he says that's interesting, too, is that um, Bernard goes, why didn't you just control me all along and Calmentine all along if you knew we couldn't hurt you? Oh, right. And Ford goes, well, that's because I was hoping, like most humans do, which is stupid of us, is to actually think that reason or whatever would work. And, and of course, it didn't. And I was hoping you would, you know, just say, yeah, you're right. And, and actually, the way, the way he phrases, I was hoping I could change what has already passed. Meaning that. Arnold already defied him once. Right, right, exactly. And and the thing was is that he was then saying, hopefully that you would just come back and work for me and we'll go along or whatever. Mm. And, of course, that didn't work. I was wrong. And um, I should have just, like you said, Bernard, basically, he's implying this. He didn't say this, but he's basically implying that you're right. I, should, I was wrong and I should have probably just stopped this without going through all this nonsense in the first place because – you weren't going to just accept what happened or, or what I was hoping. Um, so what else? Um, and then Ford uh, walks out of the room and uh, Bernard shoots himself. And I thought Anthony Hopkins did a pretty good job of actually looking upset as he strode away. Well, and I think he was because he created – the robot Bernard, even because he, I'm sure he looked at Bernard as a robot, not as Arnold. And he had become friendly with this Bernard robot, uh, whether we don't know how long the Bernard robot has been in existence, but you can assume it's been for a while because Bernard is pretty well respected as an employee of the company. So Ford and Bernard, or at least Ford to looked at Bernard as a pretty good friend for who knows how many years. And so to have to basically end the Bernard's robot's life, I I guess it's hurtful because he's losing a friend. And also his robot was a failure because the robot kept on um, disobeying or, or remembering things that he wasn't supposed to, I guess, right? Right. Even though he doesn't know that there was third-party intervention on that uh, front. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, what do you think, Mike? What, what's, what's your opinion? Actually, what do you, what do you both think? Do you think Bernard's dead? His character's dead from the show permanently, or, or at least this version of Bernard, because they can always bring up the back the robot because we, we've discussed that. But well, we we saw Dolores shoot herself in the head, admittedly in a flashback, but if we assume that that's not. Um, a false memory, then if she comes back, he can come back. Yeah, the thing it does, though, is if he doesn't bring him back, then everybody else at the company is going to either think that Bernard is dead or find out that he's a robot. Yeah. Or it doesn't matter at this point because if Ford has already begun, as Mike said, this storyline where the robots aren't obeying other employees in the company, maybe it's already begun. 
right whatever whatever the machinations are of Ford. And so at this point, maybe it doesn't even matter, especially next week, because we know that Ford is about to get fired based off of the conversation between Charlotte and the man in black. So you figure it doesn't matter anymore if Bernard is brought back because next week there's going to be a showdown and Bernard and Ford is going to do something um, to pr- protect his his um, his company or his creations. That, legacy. Yeah, his legacy. So at that point, I don't think it matters if people disappear or not at this point. I don't know. Uh, so uh, what, what do you think, Mike? What, what do you think about this whole thing? Uh, Bernard's death is he really dead? And well, no. I, I just said I think that they can. I, well, one we didn't see it happen, but so there's always that out. See it happen. Well, we don't see him put the gun. See him. See the bullet go to his head. I thought we did though. I thought we saw. It, it, oh, clearly see him in the background shooting himself. Yeah, the silhouette of a, of the All Bernard right. figure. At least I. So I, I'm with Eric on that. <laughs> okay, but if Unless they if they third person if, on the grassy knoll shooting themselves. Okay, if you you have, um, but still, you they, again they put Dolores back together. They can put him back together. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, that, that's the one thing is that even though Bernard the character is dead, that doesn't necessarily mean Bernard the character is dead because this is a show of robots. So that's a fair point, Mike. Um, Is that point dead yet? Bring out your dead. So, uh, all right. What what do you guys have to say about this? Any further things we want to talk about this this interesting storyline? I mean, obviously, there's the reveals that we we discussed, but is there anything else about it um, of note? Um, just in regards to the connection between Maeve and Bernard. Um. I am I am intrigued with uh, how much power Maeve seems to have given herself, and I'm curious to see how she goes about using it. Yeah, I, I am too, actually. Um, what about you, Mike? Any, any anything specific on this one? Well, if I was going to give myself power, I don't know that I would hold back. Um, well, I, I, think, I didn't yeah. she give give as much power as she could. Based off of the wheels on the on on the um or, or the bars that you know Sebastian could move up and down or, or Sylvester could move up and down. Well, yeah, she gave herself that ability, and I, this is I did see somewhere else where someone was talking about uh, the power that Felix gave her. But I don't think Felix gave her the power. I think she gave the powers to herself. Felix gave her the opportunity to do that. Okay. But anyway, um, I'm wondering if they don't, as I'm thinking about it, Bernard's story, I'm not sure. Bernard is a link to Arnold, and I don't know if that part of that story may be over. Maybe we don't see them again, and maybe he's cleared out of the way, and this does just become now a battle between Maeve and Ford and Dolores as a wild card. And and Charlotte too, and Charlotte. So so could be, yeah, it's possible. It, it it would be if if they went that way. I would say it's the less expected way, 
Which well, is kind curious of, to see if, if there are any other robots working for the corporation. Oh, so you're saying robots that Ford doesn't control? No, that he does control, but other, that other people don't know are robots, like just like Bernard. Oh, like maybe he maybe he's got a member of a board that's actually a robot, and when Charlotte stands up to get him fired, we'll shoot her down. You know what? I I could see that because it. I mean, it's a couple of things. Like like he doesn't have to have other robots know. You know, it's like it's similar to um, the Scorsese film De- The Departed, where um, one person's undercover and another person's undercover, but they don't know that that person's undercover. Right. So only only Ford would know, or, or in that case, Alec Baldwin's character would know. So that's a that's an excellent point, Eric. And we could already be in Future World, and we don't know it, the audience, because we haven't got to those storylines yet, which is a robot is a board member. Right. That's interesting. All right, I like it. I, I could go that way. And And that would be good, too, because that would mean that that Ford may survive for season two. And I would like to see that because I like Anthony Hopkins portrayal of this character. Well, I think it's interesting that they haven't announced he's coming back, but that may simply be because they don't want you to know what happens. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the Jon Snow stuff, right? Right. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he could already be signed on for three seasons and we just don't know it because they don't want us to know it, right? Right. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Um. Anything else? Anybody else? Anything else? Anyone about the the whole episode uh, or the show itself? The no, I'm has? really I'm really enjoying this end ending of the ser- season uh, as we're getting all the reveals and everything is paying off. Uh, episodes three or four, somewhere in there, maybe four or five, really kind of got a little uh, bogged down. Because they were just adding more questions and not answering anything. Uh, but now that everything's starting to get answered, I'm really loving it. Yeah, same here. Um, the, sh- the show uh, has had some pretty strong episodes recently. And even even the Dolores episode and the William episode this week was actually pretty good, I thought. Yeah. Um, it was not... The like the the horrible stuff that or the boring stuff that we were seeing in prior weeks. So, um, Mike, what about you? You've been quiet a lot. No, um, it's. I think we're at the point now. We're on the verge of having everything revealed, and when you think about it, everything that we've seen so far has been. Now that we understand the idea of the timelines, it's been hints about the past, right? Mm-hmm. what events have transpired in the past. We haven't gotten really much about what the maze is, about what's going to happen once they get to their destination. And so really with the – I mean we're waiting to find out, you know, was um, – uh, is William the man in black? And it seems probable – uh, at this point, but once that was confer- the one thing I wanted to talk about that we didn't talk about. Well, once that's been conf- let's say that's confirmed or disconfirmed, either way, then that pretty much everything is out there, right? Everything that as, that I'm aware of, as uh, far as the 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 Reddit people were talking about, 
that's it. So the question is, where do they go from there? And we'll find that out probably really fast um, in the next episode. Now, here's what I wanted to talk about that I forgot to mention. At the end of uh, Dolores' story in this episode, she's in the church present time. Nobody else is there. And she goes to leave, and here's somebody approaching and opening the doors to the church. And she goes, William? Which, with what sounds like hope in her voice. Um, and then the doors open, and a man in black steps in. And he goes, hello, Dolores. And she backs away with what looks like a look of horror on her face. So what I'm wondering is, is the man in black actually William? Why does she have that look on her face? Why is she backing away? Um, is it just because uh, she was confused because of her flashback and was expecting young William? Is it because he's aged? Is it because he's wearing black? Or is it not William? And Eric, uh, oh, go on, Eric. I think it's one of two things. Either it's not William and it's the man in black and she has experience with the man in black that, and probably experiences that are horrific. Or she's had the horrifying realization that William is the man in black. Okay. Those would be my two guesses. But what what does it state that if she's in modern error, why would she suddenly just say or seem excited about uh, William when if we're assuming the William story is 30 years ago, why would she think William would be walking in the door? Well, I think that happened because she's all sorts of confused because of her surfacing memories. Right. I think she's a little confused on the timeline. Okay. All right. So, okay. So she's already malfunctioning or, or, or yeah. having these hallucinations. She's, she's just as confused about her timeline as we are. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. All right. I, I just wanted to mention that because it seemed weird to me that she was like all hopeful, said William. And when the prominent theory is that William's the man in black, and then the man in black walks through the door and she backs away in horror, I'm like, what does that mean? That that was just interesting to me. Right. Or it could even be like um, a Star Wars thing where the man in uh, yeah, William used to be this good guy, becomes the dark man, you know, or, or Darth Vader type thing. And, and yet people still look at him and say, you have good in you still. Right. You, you know, whatever. So maybe she's remembering the William that treated her kindly um, and that she loved probably too, right? because, you know, she, they banged and whatever. So, yeah. So, yeah. So that's an interesting thing. So for her. It didn't bang, Phil. They made sweet love on a train. That's right. Robot copulation. Human <laughs> and robot copulation. Um, but, Which makes me think if he could wonder if he could feel the gears moving. Oh, God. Oh, fuck right. Um, so I, I guess she she could be um, confused because she's she's mixing the – yeah, like if she's all fucked up now, she's also mixing up the good William with the bad William. I guess, yeah. So, so again, the story though, is bitches be crazy. Well, that could be true, but we're going to find out all this <laughs> next week anyway. We're going to find out all this next week anyway, I'm assuming. 
I hope so. But you're right. That was that was a good uh, entrance or or uh, showing of the of the two. Um, and that's where they're going to pick up on that storyline probably next week because that's I think that was the last scene of the film, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I wonder if they'll they'll make us wait thirty minutes in or or they'll pick up immediately. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, any further things, anyone? I'm good. No, just anxious to see what comes next. All right. So uh, we'll have two more episodes. Uh, we'll discuss next week the final season finale episode. And then we'll have a wrap-up of um, a Westworld podcast, Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, the following week, discussing the whole season and all things related to the season uh, as our 12th episode uh, before we uh, close down until the the series uh, comes back for season two. Uh, But either way, uh, yep, it was a good episode, and uh, I think everybody would agree. So... um, Unless anybody else has anything else to say, I guess, Eric, you can lead us out. All right. Thanks for tuning in to listen to us talk about Episode 9 of Westworld. Come back next week. We'll talk about the season finale. Mm-hmm.